Craft Beer Radio, episode 51, September 6, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. This is the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. And this week we are finishing up double IPAs, a little continuation on well, it from for last now. week. For now. <laughs> yeah, it's not every, we haven't tasted every last double IPA. I'd like to do that. <laughs> we can just do the double IPA show and that would be pretty fun. The Jeff and Greg's double IPA show. <laughs> we can do that maybe a separate show, a spinoff. You know, they already have one. It's called Pacific Brew News. Oh, that's true. <laughs> No, I've been joking with Rick a lot lately about him being a, a super uber hophead, so he'll get a kick out of that one right there. <laughs> well, let's start out with a beer then. Oh, yeah, let's see. Which one do we want to do first? Uh, let's, let's go for the, the Blonde Hot Monster from Paper City Brewing Company. That'll this work. is uh, 8.5% brewed year-round. Uh, this, this, I mean, they have 4,000 barrels that they produce? Yes. So small. From Holyoke, Massachusetts. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Now, this was a listener beer? Yeah, this was the one contributed by Martin, I think. Thank you, Martin. I hope that was who it was. It is pouring it's a the, nice kind of tangerine orange. It's the fellow who sent us all the New England beers. I think it was Martin. With a sort of pillowy head. Very small bubbles, but they're nice and building. That is a juicy, hoppy Oh man, does that smell good? It, there's a combination of of yeah, a juicy hop aroma with a, kind of a caramel malt. The alcohol is supplementing the aroma. Absolutely, there, it's really it flair- it- yeah, it's really kind of the alcohol is on the sides, and then in the middle is that caramel and, and hops. Yeah, together. Like, caramel is a good way to describe it. It's not really the traditional caramel barley type thing we're used to, but the combination of the alcohol and the, the the complete juiciness of these hops. It smells like a, a sweet, sugary candy, like a Jesus, caramel or something. I can smell this all day. <laughs> I almost don't want to taste this because the smell is so good. Wow, it tastes a lot stronger than it is. Mmm. The alcohol-wise. I mean, it tastes like it's... I mean, it's at 8.5%, so yeah. it's pretty strong. Heavy alcohol. Kind I mean, of it's tasting like a 10% or more. Heavy alcohol, heavy bitterness. Really, a, a lot of bitterness uh, that hits you straight on the tongue. Um... On the side, you're flaring with uh, sort of a hop flavor um, and a different kind of bitterness. It's kind of a, a darker bitterness in, in, in the middle. I don't know if darker is the best term, but it's kind of a... It's an evil, evil it's, bitterness. It's, it's, a, it, it, it's a less... How do we, it, it's, it's juicier. Juicier on the sides, and it's kind of earthy down the middle. It's it's just short of being like cough medicine sweet and alcoholic. I mean, it's not there. That's where it would get bad. Right. It's just this side of going too far, I think. It's, uh, it's really st- sticking around a lot. doesn't have... It's hard to tell the body on this one. I mean, it seems like a thin body, but there's a lot of re- residual aftertaste that's sweet. This is the Blonde Hot Monster from Paper City Brewing Company. You mentioned about the alcohol. and There's it, this really... When you when you sip it, the alcohol really punches through almost immediately. Yeah. More so than most beers. Yeah. It punches through like a barley wine with like a super high barley wine punch would be on a... I mean, it punches through more than like Worldwide Stout, which is 18%. I feel, because that's the first thing I taste when, when I taste it, is... Taste alcohol, then a lot of bitterness from the hops. Then kind of a, a small maltiness is hitting through, but really this is not a hot, this is not a malt forward beer. This is very much a hot forward beer. It, it's almost an alcohol forward beer. Yeah, <laughs> but I really do taste. You know, the, the malt comes through at the end very little. It, it is not nearly as pronounced as say the beers were last week. I mean, it's been thirty five, forty seconds since I've had a sip, and I'm just going. I'm breathing in over my tongue. And up through my uh, olfactory, you know, glands, and it just hops and alcohol. The alcohol evaporation just helps drive those hops mm-hmm. around in the on the palate. Wow, this is it, it's very interesting. I 
I don't know if I would call this a particularly drinkable beer. This is a, this is a sipper. Yeah. And, and we're drinking them in our snifters. We are sn- drinking them in snifters. You know, uh, let's see. Yeah. yeah. We keep drinking this because it's so good. I want to let this one warm up some, so let's do a little bit of our... Uh, I, I haven't decided whether it's so good or not yet. I'm, it, okay, it, it's, it's, it's really different and interesting. Right. I, I it's more so... I, it's one that we want to explore so yeah. much, it's going to be gone before we know it. I, I think it's going to end up being decent for a sipper. It's certainly not a drinker. Yeah. But how many of these beers tonight are going to be drinkers? Um, but I don't want mine to warm up, so let's do a little bit of business here, shall we? Yeah, sure. Um Okay, we got the DVD, the Craft Beer Radio Anniversary DVD, yes. which I guess we're going to probably start stop pimping sometime soon. But Within the next couple of shows, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've had a couple purchases recently. Thank you. I've been a wee bit of a slacker shipping it out. I got seven that I'm going to ship out, hopefully before the time you hear this. So if you haven't gotten it yet and you're concerned, send me an email and I'll let you know that it's on the way. Mm-hmm. Or if I have actually forgotten about you, which I don't think I have, I'll make sure you get... Uh, DVD on order. Right. Several ways you can send us feedback. You can post a comment on our website, like Ray J at beerradio.com. <laughs> or, or Critic. Or The Critic, yes. Uh, you can vote for us on Podcast Alley and leave a comment. You can sign up for our Frapper Map. Awesome. Uh, you can send an email or audio comment to beer at craftbeerradio.com. You get plenty of email, and we love reading them all, even we- the critics. <laughs> and, and at least Jeff tries to respond to every, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I remember to copy Greg, sometimes I don't, so he's not sure who I reply to. <laughs> I always worry about responding because I know Jeff does respond a lot, so I'm like, well, this guy got two emails, and will they care? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'll care. I always answer if you feel like it. Uh, let's see. While we're here, why don't we go over an email or two? Okay. Well, Ron sent us an email. He was listening to one of our older podcasts while on vacation. You were talking about hard to find beers in a locale or resources in order to find distributors of beer. You said you found some very some a very few tools online. We didn't mention what you did find. I guess that's kind of our fault. You're probably aware, but in case you're not, my buddy Al wrote an article recently on two resources, Coaster, C-O-A-S-T-R, and the Beer Mapping Project to help do just that. Okay, let's start by answering the resources that I do use to find beer. Um... He mentions the beer mapping project. That's great for finding bars and breweries. Mm-hmm. And if you're going on vacation, you want to find local places to go drink. That's an awesome resource. I was looking for brewery distribution state. You know, states they're available in stuff right. like that. That's harder to find. Um, when I mentioned that on the show, basically the only tool that I had was going to the brewery's website and hoping they had some kind of distribution information. Right. But more recently, I've been using the RateBeer.com website. They have a availability area distribution link on the beers page i'm not sure exactly how that's ranked for example one of the beers we're going to be tasting is available it's a beer from colorado it's available in a lot of the united states but it's also available in sweden and denmark Hmm. so i'm wondering if people trade it and it inadvertently gets put on the availability list i don't know right so but that's what i'm using now for trying to give people an idea where these beers can be found and, well, those are the, just the two tools that I've had. Um, do you want to... The Beer Mapping Project, we mentioned that. That's a great resource. I use that a lot. I helped the um, the guy, when he did the Pittsburgh one, mm-hmm. um, fine-tune the pins where some of the Pittsburgh bars were. That's a good idea. Since they were off by, you know, a mile or so. Some of them were somewhere across the street, and I just said, it's over here a little bit. Now, Coaster. I haven't seen much of Coaster. Coaster is kind of a social networking thing along the lines of Frapper or uh, MySpace. I will rant about uh, – I have a considerable rant about social networking sites, um, at least the social networking part of it. That will be in the post show, so if you want to listen to that, you can. But Jeff, you, you – uh, I have a little bit of rant, a little bit of a rant about Coaster right now. Though. Okay, yeah. So I started checking out this Coaster website. It seems like a good idea. It's, it's a, a lot like Delicious, but with beers. You see they have a little bar up there with the slashes and stuff, so that's kind of like a delicious mm-hmm. – Alice style notification. Or dig or something like that? Or dig, dig, something like yeah. that, yeah. So I started looking at this thing. It's still a really small community. So it's really easy to sway things certain ways. For example, if you look at the top-ranked beers, we have some decent ones. Um, Duval, Lugnitas IPA. The number one beer is Abita Amber. I have not had it, and I'm not going to comment on it. I am startled that it's the number one ranked beer on the right. site. We've got Guinness in the top ten. 
So you can yeah. kind of look at the different kind of audience <laughs> that is using the site. And then some of the other things I found, there's um, also uh, reviews of locations and stuff like that. So here's one I saw. It's uh, one of the ones that were on the front page, 21st Amendment in San Francisco. The review, stuffy atmosphere for aging professionals. If you're 40, you'll fit in nicely. The only time worth visiting a place is during strong beer month, and that's only to get the glass. The food is terrible and just as equally horribly overpriced for the quality and quantity. So that's the review. Luckily, no one found that review useful. Some of these other ones I found are insane. Really? And uh, I had one here for... I mean, that's what you get with a small community. You can really twist things. And as a larger community arrives, you can sort of even things out in, in this sense. But you never know what is... If, okay. when, you're going to even things out, but it's very rare that even things out in anything more than just a bell curve. Here's a review someone found useful. Four stars for Arrogant Bastard. Outstanding. Strong enough to let you know that it's there, but smooth all the same. <laughs> what does that mean? Someone found that useful. And then the last rant. Um, Evo Terra does the Dragon Page podcast. He's uh, he's kind of loosely affiliated with Charlie the Beer Guy. Uh-huh. Not, this has nothing to do with Charlie the Beer Guy, though. And uh, he put in this thing for this apparently fictional bar. Its webpage address is dragonpage.com, which is this Evo Terror's podcast page. He told all his listeners to go give it five stars. It has 108 votes. The number two establishment on the site has 16 votes. They all have five stars. Every single one of them is marked people found it useful. And there's ones on here like, I've never been to the page, but Evo told me to vote for it, so here's my vote. And then farther down, this thing doesn't exist, but Evo wanted me to vote for it, so here it is. So he's using it. He's using it like blog spam. Right. He's making this fake thing to get his webpage address found. If you search for this Draco Vista Studios in Google, this is the number one link that comes up. Right. So he's using it as blog spam or Google juice or something like that. Google bombing, right. (laughs) That's what, when you have a small site, which Coaster is right now, and, uh, I don't know how big Coaster is going to get. Some, some beer sites obviously get bigger than others, like Beer Advocate and RateBeer.com are obviously very big, but, when you have a small site, you get you get problems like this. You get people who are taking advantage of it. Yeah, so it, it's a nice idea if you're into the social networking. The, the the client the audience isn't nearly as sophisticated, snobby, upscale. Whichever one you want to use is beer advocate or rate beer, and uh, just it's a waste of time for me. So mm. I, I won't be back. <laughs> Uh, we should go back to the beer. The beer that we are having right now is the Blonde Hot Monster from Paper City Brewing Company. It's warmed up a bit and calmed down a bit. But it's still, you know, I don't like sticky beers. I don't like beers that okay. goodness really kind of lands near your palate. You know what, you're right. This, this tastes there. a bit like a stone beer, doesn't it? And this, this beer is, is very sticky. It has a bitterness that just kind of lands and doesn't really want to go away. Now, there are other things to this beer that are interesting that alcohol presence hits you. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's... You I know, wasn't sure if it was there at first, but yeah. If you um, if you like take, like, Stone's Barley Wine and mix it with a hoppy IPA, like if you have a Barley Wine Ruination um, mm-hmm. hybrid, you know, this is similar to what you'd be tasting here. So if people can't get it, just imagine the... Um, um, what's, Stone's, what's our Barley Wine called? Uh, people are screaming at the radios right now. Um Stick. Levitation ale? Okay. No, 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 that's not it. That's, um... Uh, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I forget what it's called. People are going to be yelling at the radio. I'm sorry, I can't remember. I, I know. Like the that. thing is that a lot of people really do enjoy that. And if you do enjoy that, well, this this beer certainly offers that. It, it probably stands up well to a stone beer. It has that interesting alcohol-forwardness that is, is kind of unique. Dare we, uh, Man, I love the aroma of this, yeah. though. Dare we, dare we pair this with something? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it would go well with brandy. <laughs> <laughs> it, I would want something like, probably like cheese. I would want to have the cheese kind of lift that bitterness off of yeah, my palate. Yeah, definitely something Coke, kind of like the um, candle wax for eating the insanity peppers, <laughs> right. you know. Yeah, I would want something along those lines. It would. Oh, it smells wonderful, and 
now that it's warmed up, as you can imagine, there's even more alcohol in the aroma. Mm-hmm. I took a big sniff, and I just had a nose full of little burning sensation from all the alcohol. Yeah, it's definitely... It's, it's funny, because this is lower in alcohol than most of the other beers we're going to be trying tonight, uh, all except for one. One's a half percent yeah. lower, but the rest are percent or higher or so. This guy is a home brewer turned pro who produces uh, Paper City. It's a little bit. Now I'm tasting in the hops. I'm tasting a little bit of uh, the vegetal character of the hops. A little bit of grass, a little bit of vine, something like that. Mm. But this much hops, you know, some of that would come through. And I think I'm picking up a little bit of that in the undertone. It's not bad, but it, I think it is noticeable slightly. I wonder if that's just a character of the bitterness or whether that's. Um a lot of times when you use a ton of hops, yeah. that starts to come through. So I was kind of looking for it. If I wasn't looking for it, maybe I was never going to notice it. But I wanted to see if I could pick it out. Maybe I'm tasting it only because I wanted to taste it, too. It's always <laughs> a situation. There's a uh, new Sharp Edge in Swickley. Another one, huh? They opened a new Sharp Edge, Sharp Edge Bistro. They have uh, 20 taps, 15 Belgians. Um, they have a whole big bottle thing. They have this cool-ass bottle chiller. It'll chill your bottle in like five minutes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so, it, it just spins it, I guess, in ice water? It goes down inside, and you don't see what happens, but it chills your bottle in like five, six minutes. And so I've they, seen that at, at a wine place. They have a, an ice, a rotating ice okay. thing, and you put your wine bottle in there, like three minutes it comes out, and it's okay. cold. It's made for wine bottles, but it, it's you can't see the ice. It's all enclosed. There's two little slots, just bottle size to stick the things down in, mm. and there's like plastic something or another. Like It probably inflates with cold stuff and... Touches the, the well, you can do that at home if you just get a uh, a big enough bucket and fill it with ice water. Mm-hmm. Take a beer and just spin it slowly. Oh, okay. Spin it in the ice water for you know, like I said, three minutes or so. Bring it out; it'll be ice cold. So we don't we don't advocate the ice cold, but we're just making a point that you can yeah. get it down to drinking temperature even quicker. So yeah, you can meter out that time to get to a point where you at, at the temperature you'd like. They have eleven ounce bottles of Rodenbach Grand Cru there. Nice really, little reasonable size, not priced too badly. Wow! So. In Swickley, huh? Yeah, it's um right by the Swickley Bridge. If you take the big blue bridge, you get to the airport. Okay, in sixty five. So it was kind of close to the to the <laughs> Creek House. I mean, it's yeah, like it's a lot. You know, it saves me twenty minutes to get there instead of the Creek House. So I'll be there again. It was <laughs> nice. Okay, uh, our next beer that was the Blonde Hot Monster from Paper City Brewing Company. Uh, our next beer is going to be the Kohoho from the Midnight Sun Brewing Company. This is an 8%. This is a little, slightly lower in alcohol than the uh, Blonde Hot Monster. From Anchorage, Alaska. Yep. This was Listener? Listener sent it in. I'm not sure who. I don't want to wager a guess and offend somebody. Maybe you can <laughs> cut it in here at the end. <laughs> it's a nifty whole-drawn label, a whole bunch of stuff written on it. So it's one of those ones you like to read when you're drunk. <laughs> this is a nice big 22 ouncer. Look at the beautiful color on this one. Oh, Ooh, you see God, this is good. I mean, yeah, the other one, like you said, was kind of a copper in color, copper tangerine. This is really. Uh, Looks brown ale. Yeah, almost brown ale. I'll wait for a guess that Gary sent this one in because I just saw some styrofoam stuck to the bottle and all his beers came with caked in these loose little styrofoam pellets that wouldn't come off. Well, that's the case. Thank you very much, <laughs> Gary. It's kind of got a little bit of ruby red highlight to the bottom. This beer is eight, nine months old now, probably, so hopefully the hops haven't faded too much. They might have been because I'm detecting more of a malt aroma here. Well, if we're comparing it to the last Oh, wait beer. a minute. Wait, wait. No. I'm sorry. There's a definite hot presence. It's a grassier hot presence than the one before. Uh, and maybe because we're kind of we're used to that other aroma, which was really supplemented by the alcohol. Yeah, I'm having a hard time smelling the aroma. I feel, my, a- I feel my sniffer a little too high, and I wasn't getting much aroma either way. But it, the flavor is very hoppy still. Lots of... And it's a grassy hoppy, like yeah. you were saying. The flavor's a lot... Uh, it's almost like a flavor you get from like a wet hop or something like that. A lot grassy. I mean, I'm being reminded of the hop tour because of the, the, mm-hmm. an intense kind of spicy, grassy aroma right. here that I'm getting when I. That's that's a lovely smell too. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm starting to smell a little bit. There's a little more headspace in my glass. And that's what I'm tasting. Ooh, this is really good. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's milder. Um, it's certainly a lot milder than than, than the blonde hot monster. Although there's definitely bitterness there. Hmm. It really, it tastes almost wet hopped. It mm-hmm. really did. It, it reminds me a lot. Of of those you know those Zotz hops that we were that we were crushing up and smelling and maybe dipping into uh, the beer it's very it's a very grassy hop really hitching the back of your tongue with a with a grassiness and a little bit of a spiciness the bitterness is somewhat flaring in the back of your tongue not necessarily on the sides but there's a juiciness around the sides and ooh there's there's a really good malt. Uh, I say backbone a lot, so I wanted to try to find something else to say besides backbone, but there's a malt presence there that really helps accentuate all the other hoppiness to it. And it it's it's somewhat it's somewhat milder or somewhat tuned down from what you might expect from a double IPA. But uh, ooh. the name Kohoho must mean a play on Coho salmon and ho ho. Santa Claus Christmas, mm. and the label we have this crazy hopped out fish with a Santa Claus hat on. So that must be what the name means. Co ho ho. Yeah, there's, there's still a lot of bitters coming in the back, but that that really grassy wet hop flavor that bring oh, that's so delicious. This is this is a star. Yeah, even with eight months, nine months on it, mm-hmm. plenty of hop flavor. I I really wouldn't want more bitterness or hop flavor. Yeah. And the alcohol, this one is a half percent lighter. The alcohol is pretty a lot harder to find in this beer. It's a lot more subdued. I mean, you're drinking wet hops here. You can really taste it. At the same time, it's subdued enough so it's not like super bitter. Like if you were to grab some of those, you know, those Zops hops that we had in that hop farm and put them in your mouth, you'd, you'd, right. you get some of this flavor, but a heck of a lot of bitterness. And there's some bitterness here, but it's dialed down. Speaking of wet hops, last Wednesday I helped Scotch from Easton Brewing Company brew two batches of his Harvest Ale. And there are pictures you have up at the, yeah. on your website. There's pictures up on my website. I'll link them in the show notes here, too. Um, 200 pounds of fresh hops driven down from New York. A lot fresher than the ones we used last year. I thought that was cabbage. <laughs> You'll have to see the pictures to get that one. Um, and uh, there's a. We, we brewed. We used. Did try to. Putting them in the kettle and using them a little bit different this time, but Scott's kettle is not made for fifty pounds of mm-hmm. hop matter in the kettle. It was such a mess to clean out; it was a whole nightmare. So the second batch we steeped in the mash tun. We did the process a little bit differently than last year, but hopefully got a little more hop goodness out of the hops this time. But same kind of process. And uh, I gave Scott the idea to save some of the green hops and for growler hours on Thursday and Saturday. To if they got a big hop to put a couple hop cones in there in the growler for the fill up. So Wednesday when I was there, I filled up a growler for a whole big hop, put in five hop cones. Uh-huh. I drank it Monday um, during Labor Day, and oh my god, was that so good! Still <laughs> in those hop cones in there for a couple of days. It was so juicy. It was almost as juicy as that last beer we had, the the Paper really? City one, compared to the big hop, which is a good hoppy beer. What was the bitterness you got out of it? It doesn't really add much bitterness. I mean, I suppose some, but it had a lot of flavor, and it was wet kind of like this, but it just changed the beer tremendously. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely a winner. It, I couldn't believe how much, how I won't say how much better it made the beer, but I can't believe how much fun it was drinking the beer because it was a one-time only, and it was so good. <laughs> well, this Kohoho is a winter release, as you might expect from the Ho-Ho-Ho part of it. I am really impressed with this. This is actually... We, we talked about drinkability of these. This is a much more drinkable beer. If you think back to when we did the Hophenge, remember that was an older beer too, and it had subsided greatly from what we've heard. Mm-hmm. And um, this one held around, so it just shows that different well, maybe, beers, I mean, the hops faded different speeds. Imagine if this is if this is faded. Imagine what it must have like. <laughs> it would have been a little more than I'd want. Yeah. I think. Uh, you know what? Let's bring up this uh, this email we got from Critic. It actually a post on our message board. I kind of want to a little talk about this. <clears throat> this is from Critic. This is probably the um, the harshest comment we've ever received. Uh, okay. You guys are utter and complete sellouts. By the way, this was about our Anheuser-Busch thing. You drank the Kool-Aid. You've spent the past year lambasting the quality of the products made by companies like Anheuser-Busch, and you were converted in a mere 48 hours. 
by simply being wined and dined by the company. Sure, you guys, sure, the guys you met are passionate about beer, and sure, the specialty beers they made are up to your high standards, but nobody ever said our beef, R equals craft beer advocates, was with Anheuser-Busch employees. Our beef is with the products they make and what they stand for. What is that, you ask? Bland, poorly made, bad-tasting beer. Not only do they make bad beer, but they use their vast corporate muscle to push that beer into every corner of America. Bad beer crowds out good beer, and that's partly why the average American drinks so much swill, in addition to the average American's naturally unsophisticated palate. You guys glorify Anheuser-Busch's brewmasters and scoff at their marketing people. Ever thought about who came up with the idea of inviting you guys out there? I had to laugh when you guys were in awe that these brewmasters actually liked Budweiser because they were drinking it at lunch. What do you expect? They were on the job. Thanks, Critic. Um, th- there is a detail... Oh, oh, and by the way, the Critic is no longer listening to our show. Oh, right. So. The Anheuser-Busch show was so... We sold out so badly and the show was so bad. And he's been a fan since the beginning of this show. Yeah. That he doesn't want to listen to us anymore. Now, I made a detailed kind of point-by-point rebuttal to the critic, and it's on our website. But there are a couple points I still like to like to reiterate. Number one, our show is not anti-Anheuser-Busch. I mean, th- that's not the point of our show. If there's stuff that Anheuser-Busch does that's stupid, we're pointing out. We're going to point it out later in the show. Uh, it's not the point of our show. We say... We're the show for craft beer in the craft brewing industry. That does not mean we're the show for the microbrewing industry. That does not mean that we're the show for only people who have less than 5,000 barrels a year. That means that we like crafted beer. We want to point out how great crafted beer is. Whoever makes the crafted beer. We want to show people the great variety and express our love for this incredible drink and how how wide the variety is and how much is out there. And that includes stuff that is produced by big companies. Right. I mean, you know, some of our listeners will be anti-corporation. You know, I, I, I kind of feel that way a little bit. You know, thinking about how I am, you know, Linux, not Microsoft. Right. Craft beer, not macro beer. You know, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I ate a McDonald's or Burger King. You know, stuff like that. But, you know, our job here... Our job, our job, right. our, our hobby here and entertainment for you is is to try beers, and we're going to try beers. And if someone wants to, you know, you know, maybe he's you know just upset that you know he wanted us to turn it down on principle. Right. One of the points you made on on the um, the confrontation board and on our website is it was it, you know we it's not our job to go there and sneer and jeer right and and be defender of the craft beer people. Uh, we want to be good journalists as you know as good as we can and. And honestly, review these things. I don't think we were tainted by the accommodations or anything like that. If critic put his blindfold blindfold on and tried some of these beers that were produced by Anheuser Busch, he would think they were great. I absolutely believe that. Well, you know, if you if the politics are such a big deal, then then they're such a big deal. But uh, Lou Bryson, he wrote in his article about the hop tour. It's put linked on our website now. He just posted it the other day on Cold Hard Facts or whatever that site's called. I think it's something like that. Um, he has four rules when drinking a beer. Does it taste good? Is it reasonably priced? Does it taste good the next time I have it? Is it made by convicts, slave labor, or children? <laughs> if the first three answers are yes and the fourth answer is no, there's no reason not to drink the beer. Right. And he said that, actually, I think he said the exact same thing when I interviewed him on our show. Mm-hmm. And that's when it gave me a whole new perspective on, and that's kind of when I kind of dropped the whole anti anheuser Bush feeling that I have the critic has here. Right. And and matured a little bit. I mean I don't, I don't want to say he's immature. But I matured myself a little bit more. No, I think he is immature that. and I'll tell you why. His his casual just kind of blasting it the average American's naturally unsophisticated palate. Look, I'm sorry man, I gotta say a curse word here, but that's bullshit. That is the kind of stuff that that, that kind of condescending attitude towards the way that that, that people are that you know, towards if, this whole idea, like Greg from New Zealand had said, the the Budweiser beer, the Budweiser style of beer, that pale Americanized lager, is popular everywhere in the world. The number one beer everywhere. So even in Japan, where they have sophisticated palates, even in Germany, even in France, they have incredibly sophisticated palate. What's the number one beer? It's some sort of macro American lager. 
no matter where you are. This whole idea that it's all based on an American, naturally unsophisticated palate that I guess this guy doesn't have, that's really kind of immature. Look, the point is, if they make a good beer, then that's good, not bad for the industry. The whole thing is, if good beer is presented to everybody, if people start to appreciate good beer, then they're going to start to explore other stuff. If they're focused on one style of beer and one style of beer only, then they're probably going to stick with their brand. But if other stuff starts to come out and they start to taste things, I mean, like, even I know that, for example, Boston Beer has, like, you know, they have their, they, they present that they have 18 beers, 18 styles of beer, but I think that they know when they're, show, when they're putting that out that people are not going to just try Boston Beer version of, of a brown ale, of, of a Schwarz beer, of a, right. of a Hefeweizen. They're going to try other stuff. If Anheuser-Busch puts out stuff that is, is good and decent, people start to enjoy other types of beer, then people are going to try other things. It's not bad that Anheuser-Busch is putting out good beers that aren't just American lagers. It's good. Now, the main argument that people will have against Anheuser-Busch doing craft beer is they're going to use their muscle to push craft beer off taps across the country. And there that is, is yet there, to be seen. That is yet to be seen. There is a slight, there, there is a legitimacy to this argument in the sense that Andrew Bush does have that power. Right. Now, but, obviously, on the Hop Tour, they told us that's not their intention. Right. But I wouldn't expect them to say anything mm-hmm. otherwise. If someone out there has evidence that they're using their muscle to push ta- craft beers off and, and not the, you know, obviously they're fighting for tap spaces with Coors Miller and other imports you know more macro type imports but if anyone has good evidence of them pushing craft beer off taps in a monopolistic bullying type way right. we want to hear about it so send it to us that's the thing i guarantee you that a place like smoke and joe's for instance out here in pittsburgh have i don't know what 20 taps they're not going to push off some good craft beer taps for anheuser for well they want to push some bush some not going to push off some micro beer taps for anheuser bush now a place like uh, D's, not D's. That place like um, North Park Mario's, Mario's or, you know, or Mar- yeah, the place like that where they have Coors and Miller and Bud on tap. They might push off one of their other beers that's not macro. I mean, that's not that's not micro for an Anheuser Busch specialty. They're not going to a micro place that specializes in micro is not going to push off a micro tap for an for an Anheuser Busch beer. It's not going right. to happen. You know, a lot of the, they get a lot of tap spaces by incentives. Um, Signs, they'll make a, a Smoke and Joe's neon sign or something like that right. and give it to them. But I think with those places, Fathead, Smoke and Joe's, good beer bars like that, they're kind of established. I don't think that those kind of standard marketing techniques and that, that kind of power, the bullying power is going to really work there. It's so. not going to work. And we just and another thing is you listen to our – we're, we're going off a little bit too long on this, but – these guys, we were astonished by how much they love beer. And we were, in a sense, did we? there was Kool-Aid to drink. It was the Kool-Aid that was the honest truth. It was the truth about these guys, that they really do appreciate beer and they do really do love beer. And they were showing that to us. And we would be able, all of us who were there, every single journalist to a, to a man was really impressed by that. Right. I will link in all the publications that I can find to back to the Anheuser Busch tour um, mm-hmm. show notes, like I did with Lou's story, because I want to see what other people have to say about the tour, and I'm sure our listeners will too. So you guys can keep checking that out. And as as, as I find the stories that people wrote about the trip, I'll link them in there. I, I don't know. I mean, I just I, I felt like we tried to to come at it objectively. We, we did not go there with the intention of. When we got the invitation, we were a little bit skeptical about going in first. Well, I asked Greg, should should we go? Should, you yeah. know, is this going to be something that we don't want to do for the show? We thought about it. We didn't just blindly accept it, and we we weighed the benefits and the and the you know detriments of it, and we decided to go. Maybe because it was in our interest to get a free trip out to Idaho. I don't know, but <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that has to weigh into it a little bit, I the, guess. Obviously, it was part of it. I mean, this was a once in a very rare opportunity, and so we decided it was really worth it, not just for us, but for the show, and, and for, in a sense, we did want to talk to them and present our side, and we certainly did. There was a lot of stuff off Mike that we talked to them about. We had a long hour and a half conversation. I actually commented on Jeff. He was being almost a little harsh to the Anheuser-Busch guys at one point. Uh, and, you know, with some of the comments we got, I almost wish I had taped that part of it after mm-hmm. the dinner that night. I was telling them how I thought about, you know, how they're perceived in the market, you know, for people like me. And uh, Greg kind of said, 
dude, you're being a little bit tr- brutal there. Yeah. But I, so I, if I had that on tape, I think I'd have more ammo saying we weren't, you know, drinking their Kool-Aid, we weren't blowing smoke, we weren't kissing their butts, we were, you know, being honest and, right. and you know, giving them good feedback and getting them to expo- to defend their positions, so. That's guess the way it is. Anyway, back to the beer, because we have spent a while on this. Uh, this is the Coho for Midnight Sun. And as it's getting warmer, it's just it just really tastes delicious. This is great. I'm a big fan of this one. Wow, this is this is. <laughs> I want more of this. <laughs> this is so good. Anchorage, Alaska, like we said, it's available in Alaska, California, Massachusetts, Oregon, and Virginia. So, kind of interesting. I've had two other beers previous to this when I was uh, up on the beer cruise. You know, um, all about beer, beer cruise. I had the La Matrice du Monde, which means the monk's mistress. Uh-huh. It's a Belgian, it's a strong dark Belgian style, and, and that was delicious. And I also had the Mammoth Extra Stout. It was a dry stout. It, it, it was good. I mean, nothing you know, super memorable. Nothing like the La Matrice du Monde. Look at this one, Imperial Chocolate Pumpkin Porter. Yeah, I wrote, put that on there just so we could talk about that. Oh my God, I want one. <laughs> And then oh, the other wow. one, the Arctic Devil Barley Wine. I think we have a bottle of that in the in the cellar, too. We'll be drinking that in the wintertime mm. when barley wine season starts. Gary, if you can send us a imperial chocolate pumpkin porter, I'll be forever in your debt. i got to try a beer like <laughs> you that. You can send that along with uh, Alaskan Smoke Porter. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to try that on the show. Well, we have one that's been aging, right? So we can try that one. Yeah, we have one older smoke porter. I'd like to try him on the show with a fresh one. Yeah. So if we could get a fresh one this winter, that'd be awesome. Or indelicably veiled request for uh, smoke porter. <laughs> we have a little bit more coho ho left for the post show here, right. Greg. So it's cool. You can be excited about that. I am excited. Let's move uh, on to the dreadnought. Or yeah, yeah. Both are more popular beers. Well, I guess we'll finish off with the most widely available. We have a bottle of dreadnought three Floyd's IPA here. I think this one's from Monkey Toe. I Sounds really gotta right. look these things up. Yeah, nine point five percent brewed year round from Three Floyd's, thirty two hundred barrels. Oh, this is a beer where you pop the cap and the room fills with hops. Do you smell it? Not yet. Not no, you're there. right there. So he's about two of uh, two feet farther away than I am. But I pop the cap and it started filling the rooms with hops. From Munster, Indiana. We've done a few Three Floyds here okay. recently. <laughs> yeah, I smell those hops. It's Ooh, a wow. small brewery, but it's renowned and it makes some darn good beers. The same kind of grassiness from the coho is coming through, but there's a lot more alcoholic and a lot more malt is coming through as well. Mm-hmm. Probably probably use similar hops to the coho. I'm getting a little more hop aroma than the coho. A little more grapefruit instead of grassy. Yeah, now that I swirl swirl it up a bit and smelling it, uh, and again, we're using brandy citrus for this. By the way, I don't know if we mentioned multiple times, but the Coho was from Midnight Sun Brewing Company, Alaska. Anchorage, Alaska. But I still do smell a kind of grassiness to to the hops. I mean, there may be some, but compared to the Coho, it's it's more grapefruity. I I don't know whether it's grassiness or whether it's spiciness. I guess now you say spice, I'm getting a little bit of... I'm not saying they use Zot's hops in here. Yeah. They probably did not. But some of that similar spicy, it's an undertone for the the right. grapefruit that's in here. I mean, if you listen to that, um, to the Pop Harvest Farm Show, when we took those hops in our hands and crushed them and smelled them, there was a kind of spicy aroma that was incredibly overpowering. It, it, was, it was big time, and we really gave you an idea of, of what the hops were like. If I'm not mistaken, we tasted the Dreadnought on the show before. Might have been an extra. We've done this one before. Really? I think so. The flavors of... Oh. See, I'm surprised you gave it that look. It looks like an approving look. And my first sip was a little bit syrupy. Um, it, I don't know whether it was approving, but it was certainly different. Okay. It was... Um, you know, this is not... No, in fact, uh, actually, this is an approving flavor. Because right now, at least... It's not sticking on my tongue nearly the same way the hot monster was. Um, it, it, it's kind of actually flaring on the outside and leaving the the, the base of my tongue alone, okay. which I appreciate in a beer. But it, it has... Well, let me give another taste and see if I can describe this. 
it it tastes a lot like noble hops. I don't know whether it's using noble hops, but it has kind of a, a noble hop flavor to it, which is it's much more kind of earthy hop flavor than the other two. I can, I can see where you're coming from. You know, there might be some continental hops in there or something like that. Um some kind of noble or European hop as as part of the flavor profile in there. It's not pure West Coast yeah. grapefruit citrus juiciness. So there's there's something in there that taper, tampers it a little bit. It's a very high, highly ranked beer on, on all the beer websites. That flavor is coming through very strongly and is right in the tip of my tongue. And I really like that it's not sticking. I mean, a, a flavor like this and uh, uh, there, there's a lot of bitterness here, but the bitterness is really top of my mouth, okay. the roof of my mouth, and you know, the back of my mouth. And that, to me, is a lot more inviting than laying on the tongue like a syrup, which this beer is not doing, at least not to me. Right. You want to do another email since yeah. we're a little bit behind on the content? Well, we well actually, you know what? Let's do the macro mug right now because I'd like to okay. we'd like to cover that at some point. All right, we do have a macro mug. Maybe critic would like this because this macro mug is about da, 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 and Hunter Bush, or maybe they'll see it as a thinly veiled excuse, you know, cover to say no, we haven't sold out. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, but macro muck is about the way marketing in, infests a lot of these. Now, as we read this press release or cover this press release, now. Count the number of times you talk about how it relates to the flavor of the right. beer. Please please keep a tally for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, maybe I'll ring a bell every time that we mention how it equates to the flavor of the beer. Notice I have no bell sound. <laughs> <laughs> Anheuser-Busch Brewery to launch Online Entertainment Network. The website's going to be bud.tv. Oh, boy. I can't wait. Anheuser-Busch is going into the online entertainment business. The biggest U.S. brewer plans to launch a website in February that will show original programming including extended shows featuring iconic characters from previous television ads. This site, called Bud.TV, is aimed at consumers between the ages of 21 and 27. It's kind of a narrow demographic there. Who routinely visit popular sites such as MySpace.com and YouTube, said Tony Pontero, Anheuser-Busch's vice president of global media and sports marketing. Now, I'd also like to say this is the same demographic that is overwhelmingly going to mixed drinks and spirits as opposed to beer. Yeah. Are they also going to, um, like, Smirnoff.tv? <laughs> <laughs> it's so cold here, eh? <laughs> the use of the internet. Well, Smirnoff is Russian, so I don't yeah. know if they can have the no, A. Hey, but <laughs> it, it's so cold here, Com- Oh, it's so cold, comrade. <laughs> the use of internet is clearly a space that this generation has grown up with, Pontura said. The main reason that we're doing this is that we need to connect to these new beer consumers. Blah, blah, blah. Let's skip some of this stuff. Because... It, Here's here's the um, the joke is yeah there's no mention of the beer at all <laughs> there's nothing at all about the website will have seven channels original programming that will uh, be sports shows stand up comedy reality shows that are set at bars and restaurants <laughs> God Schumacher said one channel will imitate the YouTube phenomenon imitate the YouTube phenomenon that's a good way to get right. marketing you know if you're not if you're not got the Star Wars kid up there fighting Stephen Colbert then I'm not sure you know what you're gonna have on there neither Pontero nor Anheuser Bush spokesman would say what the budget will be in the coming year Steinman who was mentioned earlier in this article said it would likely exceed five hundred million dollars five hundred million dollars for a crappy website no one's gonna look at big name actors including Vince Vaughn website will also receive content from the actor Kevin Spacey's TriggerStreet.com project and actors Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's Green Project Greenlight filmmaking contest. God. Only users older than 21 will be allowed to view it. Now, we're, we like all the people we met on the brewing side of Anheuser-Busch. But the marketing side clearly has some, their heads, their up heads their completely up their asses. There's no question about it. These guys are ridiculously dumb. And this is just a perfect example of the kind of crap that I can't see getting anybody interested in. You know, okay, I, I can see, hey, Kevin Spacey's on Bud.TV, so I'm going to go look at it and go through like eight hoops. and Or that and, schmo who made that crappy movie on Project Greenlight. <laughs> and two minutes of commercials and content to see one 30-second clip and then never go to the website again. You know, the Bud Frogs are going to make comebacks, Buds McKenzie. Yeah, that's right. They're going to be they're, they're going to have iconic their own cartoons, figures, right. iconic figures from previous ads. You know, the the one 
There is one Budweiser ad that I liked. I'm gonna. It's actually it was a Bud Light series of ads way back when, from like ten years ago. It was the guy who, who was the Yes I Am guy. I don't know if you remember yes, this. Yes, I am. I... <laughs> but, like, you know, he he would go to this, uh, this guy was holding up oh, a sign with an yeah. unpronounceable name, and he says, I'm Mr. Galliwekic. And the guy says, you mean Dr. Galakowicz? And he goes, yes, yes I, I am. am. <laughs> Just to get the Bud Light that was in the, in the limo. <laughs> the limo. And, oh, maybe the Bud, the Bud Ice Penguin will be back. Doobie, oh doobie, doo. <laughs> But yeah, this is just the kind of ridiculous stretching that in order to get, like you said, the the people that are overwhelmingly going for the alternative, instead of introducing them to the kind of great beers that are out there and that they can de- definitely produce, they're going to make uh, an online video site. Florian, Florian, if you're listening, I appeal to you, go upstairs with your mash paddle and beat the hell out of these people who are making these advertising decisions. <laughs> Please. Get people interested in beer, not interested in videos, in order to get them interested in beer. <laughs> we can't stress that enough. Anyway, back to the beer. <laughs> mm. I like this a lot. I really do. I, yeah, I was starting to really cake up on my tongue and get overwhelming in the flavor. But when we took the break to do the show, you know, do the segment there, mm-hmm. the rant, come back to it, it was fresh again. So I would certainly say with this beer... Don't sip a bunch of it at once. Sip it, go wash your car, come back, <laughs> take another sip, go paint the house, you know, drink it that way. And the aroma, I mean, I love that spicy aroma, the real the spice is certainly coming through from the hops. You want to do what beer am I? Let's uh, try to... Uh, yeah, sure. We can do the emails later. Um, so, we- last week's beer was the Ginger Honey Ale from Samuel Adams. And I guess the shine is wearing off the pint glass competition because we only had three entries. Mm. But well, there has it's been it's been a short release too. So the the three people put in were Justin D, Rick from Big Foamy Head, and Thomas C. And we're going to use our new high tech random number chooser here. So one through three, and the winner is number two, Rick from Big Foamy Head. You win a glass from East End Brewing Company. Congratulations! Buy a good friend a good beer. <laughs> East End Brewing Company. Uh, do you want to read some facts about the beer, the traditional ginger sure. honey ale? Well, we had a person write in and said, I, it has to be the ginger honey ale, but I don't see how it relates to a president, because one of the clues was, I'm in honor of a president. Mm-hmm. Traditional general honey ale is an authentic brew that can be traced back to the ginger brews of the late 1700s. In fact, records show that Thomas Jefferson and his wife brewed 15 gallons of ginger beer with fresh lemons and honey every two weeks for daily consumption. Now, you may think, wow, that's a lot of beer. Well, at the time, they didn't know about sanitation. They didn't realize that, I mean, people would get sick from drinking water, and they wouldn't get sick from drinking beer. They didn't realize it was because they were boiling the water. But that's why they started, beer was a traditional drink, and it was a great way to get yourself some water. So that's how it relates to the honor of a president piece. This week's clues, and I'm worried, if we only had three winners, three entries last week, we're going to get, like, none this week, because this one's a hard one. Okay. Although I am a beer that is less than 4% alcohol by volume, I have abrasing 36 to 30 IBUs and come from my 100% Challenger hops bill. I am brewed in bottles and kegs. By the way, these clues, these clues were submitted by Drew. Oh, thank you, Drew. In the summer, I take a single day to ferment before I am kegged and sent to real ale lovers throughout the national park where my brewery is located. My keg form is brewed in five barrel batches. My brother is an old man. My bottled form is brewed separately and sent across the Atlantic to Americans. Mm -hmm. In 1998, I was a Supreme Beer Champion at the Great British Beer Festival. Thank you for the clues, Drew. Now, you see how Drew is much more kind of eloquent and much more, (laughs) gives gives sort of a a more of a story-like presentation. So I like that. Thanks, Drew. So you're saying Scott's doing a shabby job, huh? (laughs) Um, not at all. I'm, I'm simply saying that I... <laughs> We've had a consistent what beer am I for like many weeks. When I was thinking about myself, it was like one and then three weeks off and then half another one. And so so I appreciate all the clues. I, 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 I love the Scott clues too. I just I, I like the kind of change of pace here that we have kind of a, a story-like presentation. I think it's the first time we have, a, have had a non-American beer is what beer am I? Really? I think so. Maybe we've had some other mass market imports, but this will be the first time that it's a... 
something a little bit different. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I only know because I saw the answer. Oh. <laughs> I cheated. Well, I think you, you could probably do a Google search on Great British Beer Festival in 1998. Probably, you know, oh, get a, you get a your clue. secret. I know, I know. Google, my, my big secret. I didn't want to tell anyone about that <laughs> site. That was my, my own little secret site. So, uh, congratulations, Rick, from Big Foamy Head. Mm-hmm. If you're listening, you have to send me in your address to get the glass. I wish I had a... Um, Example of the hops are being used here because now actually a little bit more malt is coming through on the dreadnought. So I took a big sip there, mm-hmm. and it's laying a bit more in my tongue. I think as it gets warm, it's, it's warming up. Um, but it's still not like really. Did you ever get any vanilla? <sighs> um, I took a bigger ish sip at the end there, and I got something different. Now. I'm kind of getting. I don't know if vanilla is the right way to put it, but. Almost like caraway. See, I always think of caraway as really strong, so I'm trying to think of what a subtle caraway would be like. I mean, when you bite into a caraway mm-hmm. seed, it kind of it kind of coats your mouth with like a little with, with, with a with a flavor that's somewhat reminiscent of what's here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, our fourth beer and last beer of the night is the Hercules Double IPA from Great Divide Brewing Company. 9.1% alcohol by volume, brewed year-round, 16,000 barrels from Denver, Colorado, and frankly, if I may say so myself, one of my favorite companies. Yeah, their, their whole lineup, there's only a few beers that are, you know, very few that are pedestrian, yeah. none that I don't like. They have a great lineup of beer. And here is uh, a... a an aroma that's very reminiscent of the Blonde Hop Monster, I think. Probably uses a similar hop profile and kind of a, a candy-like malt, caramel-like malt aroma this one without pours, the alcohol. This though. one pours with the biggest head of the night. Yeah, and it, it's a it's a darker copper than, than the Paper City. It's a well, Paper City was yeah pretty well. It's a Blonde Hop Monster, so it was, yeah. a, it was pretty blonde. This one's uh almost red. Yeah. Almost, not quite. A little bit more orange brownish, but it's almost red. It's another good looking beer. Another aroma that I could smell all day. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's a beauty. A lot more malt. Um almost chocolatey, like a chocolatey malt flavor. There's more malt and then the hops are a little more um do I wanna say biting or Stringent? Yeah, I guess astringent. Stringent, you normally think of malt, but it's coming across that way. Astringent. Uh, it, it, I was kind of thinking like they're, sandpaper. They're, cutting, they're or, kind of cutting through. Yeah. They're cutting through that malt. And, and it's you like, know, something like a Chinook hop where it's yeah. a lot harsher. It's a more piney, harsh flavor. Imagine, if you will, if you can visualize this, a, a circle of malt. And then there are kind of teeth that are opening up. And right in the middle of those teeth in the center is this kind of hot presence that's coming out. You know, people criticize those for <laughs> fruit pairings, but they don't ever <laughs> criticize your crazy visualizations, your, your undernotes, and your... Ugh. They never criticize those. Those are fine. But when we say a beer should go with pancakes, we never hear the end of it. I bet this beer would be good with pancakes. <laughs> Mm. I do like this beer. I mean, there, there's a real chocolateyness to this. I mean, that I didn't detect. I think it's because the malt yeah, is, I'm not is sure much I'd bigger. Say chocolatey. There's a malty there. There's a, a caramelly there. It's not really toasted. I don't know if I'd go all the way to chocolate because if we stopped and had one of those black bee porters I have in the fridge. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just think it, you know because it's so different than the other three is probably why. I mean, the, the malt is much more evident here. At the same time, it's not exactly malt forward. There, there's hoppiness here too, but that malt is so much more evident that I mean, I'm, it's it's kind of shocking my tongue into tasting it big time like it would chocolate. We got a few more emails here that we should try to get through. Uh, let's jump to this one here, and then we'll go up one. Brent wrote in. And uh, this is kind of the point that it's kind of hard to remember everything we say yeah. on the shows. <laughs> this is a good one. To quote Jeff regarding Blue Moon on our most recent show, it's not okay. I don't. I didn't like it at all. To quote Jeff on episode thirty-four on Blue Moon, it's a quite drinkable beer. It isn't a bad beer. I've just added a new fallback <laughs> beer to my list. 
And he's like, how quickly we forget. <laughs> now, I, I kind of do have a, an argument for this. Now, you can decide for yourselves if it's a worthy one or not. Okay. A couple months ago, I was eating at a restaurant with my family. And uh, I tried a Blue Moon there. And I didn't like it at all. Mm. Maybe it was because the previous day I had a uh, Great, Way- Great Lakes um, Holy Moses, another whip beer style. See, I don't know if that... I don't think that holds up because we were drinking a whole bunch of different wood beers in that show. Yeah. But I had the Holy Moses, and oh, it was awesome. So I'm like, okay, I'll try the, the Blue Moon. And I hated it. It sucked from A to Z. I don't know if it was an old keg or what. But, and when I made this comment on our recent show, that's what I was remember. I was remembering that experience. Right. So I mean, 34 was a long time ago, too. Um, Carl wrote in. He wrote in a while ago about the Café de El Seis. This is the restaurant in New York that has the beer sommelier. Remember in our Budweiser thing how the Anheuser Busch buys all those hops from the French Alsace region, uh-huh. Alsace region, named after the same place. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he he finally went to the restaurant, and he says the beer sommelier is definitely not a gimmick. Definitely a worthwhile thing at the restaurant. My brother and I started off sharing a triple caramelet. The sommelier recommended the triple to start with because it was a good transition beer from summer into fall. It went well with my starter, which was langoustine. Langoustine is a, it's a type of um, shrimp. Langoustine from Scotland on top of a salad with vinaigrette. My main course was polate rotis, roast chicken, with mashed potatoes and rich gravy. He directed me to Ackle Brune. Okay. As a brown Trappist ale. We've had, we've had Ackle yeah, on the yeah. show. He actually first directed me to Quok, my... my for the main choice but since that was something he could get in a super ha- supermarket he asked if there was something else the sommelier also does wine so non-beer drinkers need not be left at home I, we're going to get a hit on pronunciation I believe it's Gvok Gvok two caveats I would say one he has very heavy bias towards European beers and two people should really go for the meal and consider the beer beer and the sommelier a very welcome accompaniment to the me- to the beer uh, I'm not sure what he means by the second one there. Well, I mean, okay, he was saying that people should go f- to this place for the food and not go to this place for the beer. You go to this place for the food primarily and think of the sommelier as suggesting right. good beers to go with the food, not necessarily. It's the same way you don't go to a good restaurant for, for great wine. You go to a restaurant for great food, right. and the sommelier will recommend you a wine that I mean, will really partner with your food well. That's absolutely – I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious what how he sees that as a caveat – because, I mean, that's how I'd approach it. Right. So I wonder if he was approaching it to, okay, I'm getting this beer. Do you pair me a f- food? I don't know. Well, I think there, there's kind of a sense uh, among especially craft beer aficionados that they want to really express how great craft beer is to people. Whereas this is not necessarily the best way to do that because you're not – the beer is not principal here. So you shouldn't go to here thinking that, that, that the beer is principal here. Uh, at the same time, number one, I think is kind of inevitable in the sense that – you're the, in, the very, very heavy bias towards European beers. In order to sell the idea of a, of a sommelier, I think of a beer sommelier, you kind of have to approach it from the angle of something exotic. And the <laughs> yeah. European Here, here's a beer from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it might not appeal to people as much as saying, "Here's a beer from Belgium," and then you know people, people kind of light up. So yeah. it maybe kind of it, and maybe it's something that eventually will go away. But I think it, at, at the point here, it'd be sad if he would. You know, he goes on to say that sommelier is supposed to know what drinks go well with a certain dish does not necessarily have to mean that he's a beer expert like Michael Jackson is. Mm-hmm. He tried to strike up a conversation about American breweries that are doing good versions of continental styles, continental meaning European styles. Right. He wasn't really knowledgeable in that regard. Um, so it's just interesting where, you know, this guy, you think a sommelier would know a lot about beer. you think he'd have to be a beer geek. Right. But he kind of, it's one of those... But he's there to taste. It. I mean, he probably has a bunch of beer he gets, and he's yeah. probably there more for it, tasting the beer and the food and figuring out which goes along. Yeah, it's just one of those weird. Well, Greg and I, you know, we're both computer guys, and we're computer guys at work and at home. Uh-huh. But I'm sure you know computer guys who are computer guys nine to five only. Right. It just how do they disconnect? <laughs> you know, how can you be a sommelier from nine to five and and not? get into American craft beer. It's just one of those things that I just can't understand that kind of person, just like the guys who don't touch computers when they go home from work. Right. It's just, there's people like that. Well, I just I don't mean, get it. I mean, as long it. as the guy, and the guy says he is doing a good job, and you know, mm-hmm. those sound like good choices. 
If um, next time I'm in New York, I will definitely try to check out ca- this uh, Cafe de, de Alsace. We have two more emails that are kind of long. <laughs> Maybe we can save one for, for the next show. Oh, we can um, we can paraphrase this one. Dr. Steve wrote in. He had tried the Stout's Double IPA seven mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. and never liked it. And uh, he heard on the Pacific Brew News the bottle we sent them, and they liked it even though I sent them an old, old bottle and it wasn't all that hoppy. By the way, they loved your... Um like your home brew, yeah. that your hero stout was so awesome. I'm not surprised. It's pretty good, yeah, but uh, I'm modest. <laughs> and uh, he heard us redo the Stout's Double IPA on the last show because it was one of the first beers we tasted. And he tried it again. He let it warm for about 90 minutes, and then he drank it. And he said it was tremendous. He got the yeah. hop aroma out of it and the flavor. So it took him eight times yeah. before he found a good found out how to enjoy a Stouts double IPA. I think I mentioned on the show. Maybe that that's saying that the Stouts doesn't travel out of the market very well. I don't know. I don't know. I think I was saying on the show that I uh, you know, I got a, a case of 90 minute and I was enjoying it. But it wasn't that great and then I had one that I left out in the open just left out at room temperature mm-hmm. and tried that and it was incredibly good. <laughs> so some, you know, some of these beers just they the temperature needs to be right for them and it's certainly not cold. And then the other email, we can paraphrase this one too. John from Lancaster wrote in. I hope I said that right. He purchased a case of the Stone's 10th anniversary IPA, and it's out of this world. He says, Greg, I know you're not a fan of the Stone's you know, beers in general, but you need to try this IPA. He says it is on par with the Vaunted Dreadnought, which ironically we just tasted. Right. For one-third of the price. Well, yeah. I mean, John, I'm not afraid to give anything a shot, and I will happily give it a shot. However... Somebody who really loves stone saying how great a stone is doesn't necessarily <laughs> encourage me in how great the beer is. I know you love that stuff. I know people love that kind of bitterness that sticks on your tongue. I really don't. But you on like your recommendation, the dr- you I like will the give dreadnought. it a shot. I did like but the dreadnought didn't stick in my tongue. So I mean, yeah. But it, this may be the case with this one. So I don't know. I mean, I just like this beer. I don't think that there's anything incredibly spectacular necessarily about it. There's nothing that really. It's it's more malty than the other two, than the three. It's it's kind of got that hop that, like I said, just sort of you know breaks through. I guess I don't know if if my other analogy wasn't was quite right, but uh, maybe like a, a um, you, you're you're taking a chocolate and you break it open, the cherry comes out. Right. Yeah. The dreadnought or the Hercules is a good beer. Unfortunately, to me, it has a curse, and the curse is its little brother Titan. Titan is normal IPA is tremendous. Mm-hmm. I love everything about that beer, just about. And when I drink this guy, I think of Titan, and I'm like, <laughs> it's just not as well rounded of a beer as the Titan. The bitterness on this beer, the alcohol, the sweetness, just all three kind of add up the just something I just don't love about it. You know, I I really like the beer, I really do. However, it's not my favorite of the night. My favorite of the night is without a doubt, and you picked it out right there. <laughs> Co ho ho! Oh, what a great beer! It was uh, good. I, I just I, I love the flavor. I loved um, I loved everything about. It. I loved that it was kind of mild, but at the same time, we really brought through a lot of flavor. My second favorite of the night is going to be the Dreadnought. Um, just really <laughs> another one that I really like the flavor. I like the way. It managed to be, in a sense, it managed to, to bring some of that kind of strong flavors that some of the stone and other stuff does, but without sticking. And that stickiness is so, I just really don't enjoy that. And that's really what the stone brings. And maybe if the stone stuff didn't stick in my tongue, I might really appreciate that. Okay. But, you know, I think the Dreadnought does it right, and some other beers do it wrong. I think maybe you need to get some cheese with your stone. Maybe. Maybe that's the case. Um, my third beer definitely is going to be the Hercules. Uh, because Hercules is very good. It's very good. I, I really enjoy it. But it, I don't know if it quite holds up to the other two. Uh, and my last beer is, of course, the Sticky Midnight Sun, which I don't want to say is terrible, but it, it's not a beer. Paper that... City, Blonde Monster. Your Midnight Sun was your favorite. What? You said the Sticky Midnight Sun. Oh. Midnight Sun was your number one beer. The Paper oh, City okay. Blonde I'm, Hot I'm, Monster. Uh, I apologize to my son. Yeah, the Blonde Hot Monster in Paper City is my is my least favorite. Just because, like I say, I really appreciate that they're trying. <laughs> I appreciate that other people really enjoy that. And if you like Stone, that appears probably going to be on the top of your list. Doesn't do a thing for me. It's it's not my style. 
Okay, my rankings. Uh, this is the first time in a couple weeks we haven't matched. Mm-hmm. My number one beer is the same as yours. Co-ho-ho. Good drinkable beer. That hop flavor tasted like a wet hop. It was grassy. It was delicious. There was a nice malt behind it. That reddish colored beer. Yeah. Oh, it's just good stuff. And like I said, if it was fresh and had more hop flavor to it, I might not like it as much. Mm-hmm. It might have been overpowering, but it was just right tonight. I'm going to have to put the Blonde Hop Monster number two, the one you ranked last. Remember the aroma? You said you could smell that all night long. Yeah. Oh, that, that's definitely and, true. And and that was a big winner for me. And part of my ranking might be the order we drank them in. Mm-hmm. Palettes were fresh. We were enjoying the flavor. We weren't tired of hops. That Maybe if we didn't have it first, I wouldn't rank it so high. I'm not sure. But I liked it. It was a little bit sticky. I was looking at it like barley wine-esque type mouthfeel stickiness. So not... And I don't, I don't hate the stone stickiness as much as you do. Right. So I'm not going to take as many points, you know, points, you know, yeah. relative <laughs> in the air points off as you did. The last two both had things that you know they're good beers, maybe because they were the later in the tasting. There's just too much sweetness, too much alcohol, too much hops. But they both were overpowering to me, more than I wanted on my palate. Um. The Dreadnought, uh, I th- I'm going to put above the Hercules. Uh, it was a little bit cleaner. The fl- flavor was a little bit different. And I'm going to put the Hercules last. I hope I'm not prejudicing him because I know the Titan is exactly what I want out of an IPA. Uh-huh. And he's not... <laughs> I just he don't being like- Hercules. Yeah, the Hercules just isn't as good, <laughs> to my in my opinion. The- None of them are bad beers. They're all worth a try. But yeah, I, I just have to put the Hercules behind the Dreadnought tonight. So that's the rankings. Uh, wow, long show tonight, huh? Yeah, well, we had a, a long rant about Coaster yeah. and then the Macro Muck. And, and there was like no, no beer news worth talking about yeah. tonight. So. so that's the show. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, tune in next week. We'll be doing some more beers that a listener contributed. They're all on the upcoming Beers Part of website. Right now, I don't know which one we're doing next week. So... Uh, Go there and look, and you'll kind of be narrowed down to four or five styles that we might be doing. <laughs> Small narrowing down. Yeah. And, and can't wait to talk to you again next time. Yeah. Talk to you later. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information.